From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thanks for inviting me into your home. Long-haul truck, RV, camper, taxi, your parents' basement, your loft, that greasy spoon just off the interstate, and your cabin in the woods. Hi to those of you checking us out on one of our affiliate stations from Alaska to New Mexico, North Dakota to South Carolina. Howdy, however, and wherever you're listening. I bid thee the warmest of welcomes, and I thank you for your fine company. The man with X-ray eyes, Canada's Edgar Casey, remote viewer and trance clairvoyant, Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, is here to discuss Aero Air Flight 1285, which crashed in Gander, Newfoundland, back in December 1985. Douglas is best known as a trance clairvoyant, He's a spiritual healer, teacher, published author, who demonstrates many abilities studied by noetic sciences, the study of consciousness, including clairvoyance, telepathy, energy healing, remote viewing, prediction, and prophecy. He's one of a select few able to demonstrate all of these abilities, and even fewer who are considered a reliable information source. He teaches people the world over about spiritual development through the practice of meditation and the application of spiritual principles in daily life. He is the author of Secrets of Life, The Complete New Age Health Guide, The New Earth, A Prophetic View of Our Future, Gems of Wisdom, and Conversations with the Akashic Field. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? Well, I'm preparing for Easter. I'm uh, feeling well. I'm going to get to see the grandkids open up those little chocolate bunnies and, uh, uh, and watch those little uh, guys zip around with all that sugar fix. So I'm doing well. Thanks for, for asking. It's uh, good to be back on the show as always. Thanks, Richard. And I know Hope, that um, in, I know that in May you're getting ready to go down back down to Texas. You have a quantum uh, meditation course, and we'll talk about that uh, a little bit later. But just just give us the dates and how people can sign up for this. Yeah, it's uh, we're establishing uh, the Many Mansions uh, Spiritual Center in Fort Worth. And this is part of the seminary, and uh, this is how to do uh, what I do. And we have classes uh, every so often. And this class is coming up uh, May uh, the 24th until June the 1st. Uh, We have about a dozen people signed up so far. More information, go to my website, douglasjamescottrell.com. If you want to develop your ability for mind projection, remote feeling, clairvoyance, spiritual healing, and a lot of other things, this is a nine-day intensive course. And I, I encourage people, some of these students are coming back to take it again, uh, a lawyer, a chiropractor, a registered nurse, people who have been to a lot of the other courses out there. So it is a good course, and uh, I'm, I'm not just talking myself up here. It's an intensive, uh, in-depth course. People will not be disappointed. And people are coming from all over uh, North America. They are. Yeah, they are. Um, we've used to uh, do it more in Hamilton in Canada, we have people from Europe. Uh, last time we were in Fort Worth, we had a man come from Croatia and uh, all across the U.S. So uh, people come sort of willy-nilly wherever they feel like they should come. They feel called, uh, and they do come from uh, across the U.S. and Canada and uh, and worldwide. But it, it seems to be every class is different, and people seem to come from far, far away, or they'll be up close. Uh, there'll be several Americans, a few Canadians, and a few people I sent from Europe, but uh, it's it's really unpredictable where people seem to be called or where they come from. But it's all from all over the world, and they do well, uh, and they are practicing. And some of them have gone into uh, uh, a practice in helping people 
uh, which is their intention and which is what I hope to do. If you want to be like Edgar Casey, Paul Solomon, Ross Peterson, or myself, the so-called last of the sleeping prophets, uh, this is the course for, for anybody that's interested in that area. Well, I know your, your intention is to teach people to do what you do, but there'll never be another you. Let's just get that straight. Now, <clears throat> I want to go back because we're going to dip into the uh, the case files, and, and this will give people really a good indication what you do as a remote viewer. And I remember we talked about this case many, many years ago, but I don't know that we actually discussed it on the air. And it's the Aero Air Flight 1285, which is still uh, the worst aviation disaster on Canadian soil. Over 250 passengers, uh, they were U.S. military personnel, 101st Airborne. Um, and this was a, a horrible crash of, a, I, I think it was a DC-8 um, a plane uh, that took off shortly after, or uh, sorry, uh, crashed shortly after takeoff in Gander, Newfoundland, on its way back to Kentucky, the uh, the Air Force base there. Uh, but let, let's just, uh, for those not familiar or not old enough to remember, Aero Air Flight 1285, just uh, walk us through the uh, the chronology here. Okay, uh, I was uh, back in 1985, I was 35 years old. Um, I had been um, contacted by members of our uh, Defense Department, and I was actually doing consultations for various members in, in the uh, Defense Department, the Canadian uh, Defense Department, uh, at several levels. Uh, somewhere in there, um, I struck up a uh, uh, let's say, a friendship with uh, Brigadier General Roger Lacroix, who was retired at the time. And he was, uh, his wife was a major, and she was, uh, I think, semi-retired. And I had done some personal consultations for them where I correctly identified um, a trip around the world that they were going to take, um, what was going to happen, happen in different countries, including that at one time they were going to lose their luggage. Many of the things I said happened... Uh, as they did, went on their world tour, and when they got back to um, uh, Montreal, uh, they were going to fly from Montreal to Ottawa, where they were, uh, where they lived. Uh, and they remember having a conversation. They told me this later. They said, "Well, Douglas was amazing. He was right about the monkey on the shoulder, and it was this and that, and the other thing." He said, "The only thing he missed was our luggage. Uh, we didn't lose our luggage." And with that, they got on the plane and flew from Montreal to Ottawa, and their luggage got on another plane and went to Vancouver. Of course, of course. <laughs> so, Say, at so the last we, uh, moment, you were proven correct. Well, I just said these were some of the things that were going to happen. I don't know if the order was chronologically correct. but uh, So when those things happened, um, you know, my reputation uh, is um, usually that I'm right or I'm highly reliable in predicting events, the outcome of, of business meetings, uh, looking for uh, lost people, uh, deceased people, things like that I've been involved. So with the military, I was 35 years of age. I was nervous working for the military. I didn't want to be you know, found out to be uh, uh, some sort of black ops kind of psychic guy. But I did sessions, and there were several uh, times that I worked with important people, put it that way. In this particular occasion, there was this mystery about this uh, plane that had, uh, I believe it come from Egypt, and it had uh, 248 soldiers on board, and it had about uh, eight um, 
a military, eight, um, eight crew. Correct. And the uh, plane uh, landed in uh, in, Newfoundland, in Gander, in Newfoundland. It was bound for Fort Campbell in Kentucky. Uh, and it was Aeroflight uh, uh, 1285, I guess it was, the number. Yeah, let me just stop you there. Just uh, a quick uh, thing that I, I don't know why I never noticed this before. But Aero Airflight 1285, it crashed December 12th, 85. Sort of a coincidence, right? <laughs> no such thing. <laughs> right. Um it, that is a remarkable uh, coincidence. Uh, at that point in time, uh, there was a lot of controversy because this plane was fully loaded with uh, with soldiers. Uh, it landed in uh, Gander. It was there for a short stay to refuel and then to continue on to Kentucky. The plane crashed very soon after takeoff. And uh, it remains uh, a mystery. It, it, it uh, was on a peacekeeping mission on the Sinai Peninsula in Egypt. So it was coming from the Middle East, and it was returning to the United States. Right. And At again, that point, it, um, sorry, ahead. I just wanted to remind people again, all 248 passengers, eight crew, crew members aboard, uh, uh, perished. And um, this was the 101st airborne division so these were american soldiers who landed in gander to refuel on on route to kentucky okay sorry for the interruption go ahead no no, this is correct and there was great controversy there was great mystery and so um my friend the general uh called me up and said would you I, i i was in ottawa at some other time and i had met several dignitaries yeah, I don't really tell people where I go. We, you and I once had a conversation where you said, I didn't know you did these things, Douglas. And this is part of what being the psychic guy is. You don't brag or say you've been in, the, you don't bring down to the, see the, the movie stars and you got a, your personal friend of George Carlin or you've been in New York and you have seen mining executives, et cetera. It's kind of like anonymity is, is, is a very good thing. So in this situation, I was brought in, uh, and I don't, zero about what happened and they wanted to know uh, and, and and I did a session for them and what I saw became uh, it became a good explanation and it seemed to have evidence to prove what I had said and it certainly was something that no one else thought of or anticipated. We should we should and point out the, though the official cause first what the okay. Canadian Aviation Safety Board what they claimed the cause of the crash was. Well, not all the members. It was, uh, and I'm giving I'm going to give you some inside uh, information, and I'm going to give you what I was told. Of course, I was not there, never went to the crash site, never met anybody in person, and knew zero about what was. Uh, going on what was said. So the official cause under John Cosby, I think, was the uh, premier of Newfoundland, and he was, I think, involved in the Defense Department or Minister of Defense. It was ice on the wings caused the plane to crash. Ice on the wings caused the plane to crash. Now, the only problem with that is that all military airplanes or aircraft are routinely de-iced prior to takeoff. So 
So what the official cause was ice on the wings was completely contradictory to the practice at the airports to de-ice all the wings, any any military aircraft or any aircraft carrying military personnel. So especially in, in Gander, Newfoundland, my God, you know, you would think that this would be a routine thing with, that there would be any kind of uh, ice in the atmosphere or any chance of ice on the wings that it would be de-iced. Now remember, we're taking off, we're not coming in for a landing, and this is not going through the air. Ice on the wings, because I, I'm a little bit of a private pilot, takes a long time to accumulate on the wings of a plane, and it causes the plane to stall. It doesn't cause the plane to crash, it causes it to stall, which means it falls out of the air. It's not, it's not like a, uh, this particular crash. It went in, it nosed into the ground. If you look on the internet, you'll see that it nosed in. So the official cause was ice on the wings, which didn't match up the normal practice. And there was dissension among the aviation safety board. So the official pronounce, uh, pronouncement of the cause came from, as I was told, John Crosby. He was adamant that that was it. He wasn't going to take any other information, and that was the official cause because the plane was coming from the Middle East, and the Americans didn't want or didn't want it to be known that this was sabotage, that there had been a bomb on board. Okay, with that set up, uh, the Aviation Safety Board members who themselves, uh, uh, General Lacroix was a, uh, an air combat jet fighter pilot, as were some of the other uh, aviation uh, board members. There was, I think, three or four of them that dissented. They didn't, they just couldn't believe it, didn't want to believe it. They knew it wasn't the truth. And so where do they go from here? Well, Roger, uh, the general called me in and he asked me to do a session. I was uh, doing our quantum meditation and I projected my mind into the plane at that time. And what I saw was unbelievably a cyanide bomb that was placed in the cockpit under the feet of the pilots. Hmm. Now, to me, coming up with that, that sounds pretty spooky. Uh, why was it placed in the cockpit under the foot of the pilots? Well, that meant that there was somebody somewhere along the line had gotten into a secure airplane and had planted a bomb. Right. How would that why? go undetected in the cockpit, no less? Exactly. And why a cyanide bomb? Why not an explosive bomb? Okay. Think about that. In uh, military aircraft, or in this particular aircraft, there was no, uh, as, as I was told, I mean, I not was in the plane, I don't know, there was no um, uh, bulkhead. It was open. The, the uh, as I understand it, I was told that the soldiers sit backwards in this plane, and they sit backwards in steel chairs, seats. When this bomb went off, it exploded. And again, I'm, I'm telling you what uh, I was either told by uh, uh, the general and or what I had said, how it made sense and, and what the evidence was and the, and the uh, conclusion of it. It went off and the cyanide gas went through the cabin or the area of the plane. 
and it killed the pilots, and the, pi- and the plane crashed into the ground, killing everyone on board. When the plane crashed, many of the soldiers were decapitated because their head hit the bar. Ah, yes. In their lungs was traces of cyanide in, their, in, in the lung. How did the cyanide gas get into their lungs? If they were killed on crash. No, wait a minute. The general the told you, the general confirmed this, that there was cyanide gas in their lungs. That's what I was told at the time. Yes. This is, this is, and somewhere out there, I read it, um, on the internet some time ago, where there was, uh, this information and this, uh, um, evidence of cyanide gas being in, in the troops' lungs. And, of course, the thing is that the cyanide gas had to be going through the plane in order for the soldiers to um, to breathe it in, to get it into their lungs. And then when they crashed, they were decapitated. So this is what I was told. Um, I was also told that there was a huge uproar, uh, that they presented this evidence to Crosby and said, look, there was cyanide gas on this plane. Look, there was a bomb in the front of the plane. Look, these soldiers were... Uh, they were dead before they hit the ground. This was sabotage. But at that point in time, John Crosby insisted it was ice on the wings. And as you read the reports out there, you'll find that there, uh, there was a dissension in the, in the, uh, National Transport and Safety Board members who were investigating the crash. So much so that, uh, at the end of it, the general and at least other members, one or two, resigned their position over this. They would not be party to this deception. Well, that's what, that's what I what was told, is, what I know. Right. And, and the evidence seems to be out there that there was exactly what I had intuitively seen, this bomb in the front of the cockpit going off, gas going through the airplane and killing not only the crew, but everyone else on board. And, of course, Everybody was killed on 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 uh, on the plane. Now think about this: it's on takeoff. You wouldn't expect a plane minutes after takeoff to have such a devastating crash. I had said also that they wanted to know, you know, who planted it in Canada, who put the bomb on there, and and the information was that it was put on in the Middle East. I guess when it took off from Egypt, and it was supposed to go off over the Atlantic which would mean that the plane would have disappeared and there would never have been any evidence of this bomb going off the plane. But something happened where it misfired. In other words, it did not go off until it took off the second time from, from Gunder. And as it, it took off in Gunder, Newfoundland, and it went off. Right, right. Now, when you were, when you were telling the general this, he already knew that, that he wanted confirmation because he already knew that there was cyanide gas on that, on board. He wanted to see, or wanted to no, find out what you, oh, he didn't know that. that no, was, he didn't know. Nobody knew. I came up with that. And then they naturally, like all the professionals I deal with, I give them, uh, information, I give them a cause, and then they go and look for it. And they, that's what they did. They oh, I see. Back and that's when they, they that's when they found, yeah. Okay. Because when the cyanide gas went off, uh, the only evidence left was in the bodies of the dead uh, soldiers. Because when the plane hit the ground, it broke up, and there would be no, you know, it's not like a chalk going off or, or you know, like there's not a stain around it. It just it dissipated. Right. So 
they, it, it would be like looking for spray paint on the side of a wall. You know, you could see the paint, but if you take the spray paint and, and shoot it up in the air, the air takes away and there's no evidence. So that's what, it was not evident, it was not there until I brought it up, and then they went looking for it. And that's when they found uh, evidence of the bomb going off in the cockpit at the pilot's feet, and also uh, um, the cyanide gas in the bodies of the dead soldiers. So the general came back to you and said, you were right, Douglas. Uh, that's right. And they were, you know, like, um, and, and I was 35 years old. I got a young family. And I said, well, that's very nice to know, but, you know, just keep my name out of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, did he did he tell you, did he warn you, not that you needed to be warned, but did he tell you you can't say this to anybody? Uh, no, I was not sworn to secrecy or anything like that uh, because my reputation was that uh, the integrity was I would tell people uh, what I would see intuitively, but I would keep my mouth shut. And uh, that's how it was. I, I mean, there are some people out there who come up with a prediction, you know, like uh, there was uh, an earthquake somewhere and then they're like, they want it all over the Internet that they, they predicted it. And I was the, I was the reverse. I was... Uh, not shy, uh, but I certainly was um, uh, quiet about it. But I was personally pleased that I was able to help our government and was able to help the, the general. Uh, right. We became close friends after that. We'll take a quick time out. We'll come back and continue to talk a little bit more about Aero Air Flight 1285. And also we'll talk uh, Earth Changes. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Where there's smoke, there's The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell stays with us. Remote viewer Canada's Edgar Casey. His website, douglasjamescottrell.com. And uh, we'll tell you some more about his quantum meditation course uh, that's happening in Texas, in Fort Worth, next month. A little bit later in the program. Right now we're talking about Aero Air Flight 1285. And this was the military plane carrying about 250 U.S. military personnel that were returning home from a peacekeeping mission in the Sinai Desert in December of 1985, crashed shortly after refueling in Gander, Newfoundland, en route back to uh, Fort Campbell in Kentucky. All 248 passengers were killed in in addition to eight crew members. And uh, Douglas was asked to remote view this air disaster. And Douglas discovered that the crash was not caused by uh, ice accumulation on the wings or a failure to de-ice. He remote viewed a cyanide capsule that exploded in the uh, the cockpit that spread to the rest of the plane that killed the pilots and that caused the crash. This was later confirmed to him by that general. And also, Richard, a point that I did not know until recently was that the 101st Airborne Division they had taken off uh, from the Cairo airport. And as I said, they were headed to uh, uh, Fort Campbell in Kentucky with a, a stopover in Gander. The crash occurred three miles away from the Gander control tower, which means it was a very short takeoff, okay? And the wreckage was spread across an area about 1,300 feet uh, by 130 feet wide, according to some reports, which means that that nosed in pretty, uh, you know, pretty solid. It, it didn't... Uh, 
it didn't land like a solid plane with ice on the wings, which would mush into the ground. Their pilots would have some control. They would have the landing gear down. They would be in an upright position. This, this, uh, you know, crashed into the ground on, without any control. I'm not sure if the wheels were up or down. I don't know for that for sure, but that would be another bit of information to say that, right. you know, at, at that distance, they were, they were in flight. So a little bit of information I didn't know, and I think why uh, Mr. Cosby, who was in, uh, in the cabinet as a defense minister, and his putting his foot down on this, if you will, and suppressing the truth, uh, because the Americans, uh, the American military did not want to, uh, to admit that there was a terrorist attack. However, almost immediately after the crash, there was a, the terrorist organization Islamic Jihad telephoned a U.S. consulate in Algeria and said that the group was responsible for the crash at Gander. Yes, this was a Shiite Muslim uh, extremist group. <laughs> right. So uh, the psychic guy says there was a bomb, cyanide gas, uh, went through the plane. Soldiers who were decapitated had cyanide gas in their lungs, said this was a terrorist attack. The government, through uh, Minister Crosby, uh, Crosby says, no, it wasn't. And then immediately you have a terrorist, terrorist group call up and say, yes, they caused the crash. Right, and two, they, two is four. Exactly, and well, and and further to your point, uh, that why they would want to keep this secret is that Islamic Jihad uh, said that their their plan was uh, to destroy the plane to prove the ability to strike at the Americans anywhere. There you go. Hmm. So uh, the order obviously then came down to Defense Minister John Crosby uh, and the Canadian government. Listen, we, 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 we can't, we can't talk about this. We have to deny this. That's exactly right. This was a typical cover up, uh, by, uh, members of the Canadian government at the perhaps behest of the U.S. military. Uh, and because of the honorable men who were on the, um, uh, National uh, Transport and Safety Board, uh, it was a, a member uh, that four of the members, dissented four of them not one thinking you know maybe it wasn't ice on the wings maybe it was like a seagull getting stuck in a plane in the engine there was four of them dissented because yeah. they didn't want to put their name on it nearly half nearly half That's right. of four of the nine and they so lost con- the public canadian public so lost confidence in them after this particular investigation that the federal government had to Basically, uh, disband the CASB. They, they, uh, they, they disbanded it and they had to create a new regulatory board. That's when the Transportation Safety Board of Canada uh, came in and replaced it as a result of that botched investigation. Now, after that, I mean, were you ever visited? I'm not going to call them men in black. That's such a cliche, but I mean, were you ever visited by, uh, I don't know, the RCMP or anyone saying, how did you know? Well, uh, the short answer is uh, uh, no. I had uh, the Brigadier General um, who would be talking me up uh, that, uh, you know, this is what the psychic guy said. And he also, he had, he had my reputation or my, um, he had the evidence that what I said based on previous information I had given him 
uh, to be incredible. He took a lot of flack from that. They tried to disgrace him uh, that he was dealing with, you know, the psychic guy kind of thing. But I also was involved in the Air India crash, and I gave evidence, or sorry, I gave information that proved to be evidence on that crash, which was another air, air, air crash disaster. Yes. Well, maybe we'll do that so, one on a, we'll go into depth on that one on another, uh, on another show. Yeah. Well, this was a time in my life when I was working for the military, and I was, I shouldn't say that. I was working for individuals who happened to be members of the military and or uh, some different, like the, the National Transport and Safety Board people. Um, so, you know, getting to this, if you look at it, it's still to this day controversial because uh, uh, this idea that, um, that it was ice on the wings and everybody who's flown an airplane, especially in the military, knows that it didn't, it didn't pass the smell test. Uh, that there was a terrorist organization to call up immediately and claim responsibility for that. And that the, uh, um, there was no evidence, uh, on board that an onboard explosion had, uh, caused a crash. But the plane was, uh, spread out as, you know, like it, it, uh, it was something that happened. Eyewitnesses, uh, seemed to contradict the government statement. Uh, that they, uh, they claim they had seen explosives or ammunition being carried on as cargo on the plane in, in uh, Cairo. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's in plain sight. And I gave them, I, I was the, uh, uh, I, I put all the pieces together in seeing in my intuitive uh, mind what happened as if I'm watching a movie, which is how I saw, I see things. They appear very quickly, one scene after the other. <laughs> Me. Right, right. Did, did the military, Sorry, excuse me. did the, did members of the, the uh, Canadian Defense Department, or Ministry of Defense, I should say, did they, after you had sort of made your reputation with them, uh, did they come back to you f- on, on, on other cases? Well, I did, as I said, I worked a little bit with other people in different areas. And, uh, again, it was a matter that they knew. Uh, I, I didn't have to sign a disclaimer, a non-disclosure form or anything like that. They just knew they came, uh, they paid cash, and they left. And um, I, had, I had one man come who once said to me, he was a very spooky guy, who said, well, I want to tell you that you have helped me very much today, but you're never going to hear of me or see me again. Wow. So back in the day, I was looking over my shoulder every now and then uh, because I thought that maybe there, if there was a cover-up going on of this magnitude, the worst uh, air disaster in our country's history uh, at that time, uh, I, I thought, you know, maybe I might just disappear. But as, as uh, time went on, it uh, never happened, and, and uh, but it was in my mind at the time. But again, there have been different times where people have contacted me for for other reasons, and some with the military, some with uh, police matters and things like that. All right. Listen, and, we're, we're going to take a, a quick time out. Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, Canada's Edgar Casey, right here on The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. The truth is not out there. 
It's right here. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Douglas, uh, I have to ask you about the great fire at the Notre Dame Cathedral in Paris and whether you've seen, had any visions or had an opportunity to remote view what what might have happened. I mean, officially, investigators there are saying, well, they have ruled out uh, sabotage, uh, they have ruled out terrorism, although, to be honest, I thought they came to that conclusion pretty quickly. I mean, who knows? This could be another case of covering up for something. Have you had any visions or remote viewed the fire? Okay, well, as it came across the news, when my mind hears something, I usually see a picture in my mind. And what I was looking at was heavy equipment up there, and they were uh, using some sort of heater, some sort of propane, something or other, or I saw a round ball of something that uh, I thought was a piece of equipment, and it was just left. I don't see any sabotage, I agree. As much as the Catholic Church is in difficulty these days, I don't think this is some retaliatory strike because of the uh, situation with the bishops and the the priests and and the problems with children. I think this was truly an accidental situation. But again, in the understanding of the spiritual world, there are no such things as coincidence or accidents, so to speak. I think this is a disaster that's going to pull Christians and in particular the Catholic Church together. This has a uh, silver lining, so to speak, and that is it is going to bring people together like all difficulties and disasters. You know, enemies will come together when there's a natural disaster. And that's what I think the reason under God's rule or law and light has allowed this to happen. It is a terrible disaster. I didn't feel bad about it, like a disaster, but I was nervous the day or two before, like I usually do when something horrific is going to happen in the world. I just kind of feel nervous like a kitty cat. You know, something's going to happen. And this was it. So the answer is that I didn't see it as terrorists or or willfully done. I saw it as an accident. I saw a piece of of something look like a big sphere, a round shape that caused the fire. I want to say two things. One is there with the cross, the golden cross, even when the fire was burning, was if you look at the news coverage, it was illuminated and it was shiny. And even after the cleanup, it was shiny. And I took that as some sort of divine message that, you know, that golden cross was there shining through the ashes, if you will. Right. And then also, just to, just to, because we're having, on the subject, if people are going to donate money to them, be careful that you uh, make sure you go on the official website to donate money. Unbelievably, there are charlatans and scams going out there right now. So make sure you know that you go to the correct website to donate money. I'm going to donate some money myself, and I would encourage everybody to do this. But this is a horrific thing, but I think the purpose is yet to be found in a spiritual way to bring Catholics and people together when it is a, and is the darkest hour for the Catholic Church at this point. Right, right. You mentioned propane tanks. I mean, there was renovations going on, and and uh, I, someone mentioned that someone had been welding in the general vicinity where the fire took place. But I don't know. Uh, um, you know, I, I certainly, you certainly have an incredible track record. Here's why: why I just keep, I, I, I remain suspicious, and no one seems to be talking about this in the in the press, and that is. Uh, in fact, someone tried to bring this up on a on a cable news show, and they were cut off. But it's true. Over the last several weeks, no fewer than a dozen uh, churches in in France have been vandalized and desecrated. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And and here we are, you know, entering the, the the most holy week in the Christian calendar, and then, you know, perhaps the the, the most well known Catholic um, a cathedral in the world goes up in smoke. Well, I'm not going to rule it out, Richard. I, I saw a round sphere. I saw somebody. It looked like uh, like a, a tank or a propane tank, but it, all that was was a flash. When when I came on the news and I saw it. I had this um, uh, image, so I'm not going to say it was willfully sent, but I, I didn't get that uh, grungy feeling. I just was nervous before it happened, which well, was uh, clairsentient ability. It, it could, it, yet, it remains yet to, to be seen. And like all the things I do, uh, including this crash uh, of the uh, DC-8, the evidence uh, after the fact proves what I have seen. And so maybe there, when we see a big round canister up there, or there, there is this, this, uh, further investigation that maybe we can have a little closer look at that. But at this point in time, uh, I think that you're on the money. I, I agree with you that there, there's, there is an attack on all these, um, um, religious icons. And this is, uh, you know, the most, uh, notable. I mean, it's the, the, uh, number one symbol of the Catholic Church and uh, it, it could very well be but I, I I was taking it more my impression was this as some benefit in the, in the future right. to bring people together uh, we'll take another uh, quick time out when we come back uh, let's talk about maybe some other earth changes going on and of course we'll talk about uh, your quantum meditation course happening next month in Fort Worth, Texas back with more of The Conspiracy Show my name is Richard Serrett stay with us The truth will set you free, but first, it will really tick you off. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. We are back with Dr. Douglas James Cottrell, and uh, let's spend a few moments uh, talking about uh, earth changes. I know uh, you've, um, you've taken note of weather patterns and how they seem to be changing. We're not talking about climate change here, but but weather patterns. And Well, well you explain. Well, let's step back in time a little bit. And uh, it was on your show years ago that I had uh, said that I had a, a dream vision in which the core of the Earth was rotating at a slower speed than the crust and that the oceans were going to heat up uh, to two or four uh, degrees Celsius. I announced that on your show, and as far as I know, I was the first one to even talk about this uh, oven inside the world of the, the Earth's mantle uh, moving at a different speed than the crust. And I also, on your show, challenged uh, Dr. Suzuki to have a look at it, and I think a year or two later, some scientists came out and validated that the, that the crust and the Earth's core were rotating at different speeds. But as usual, uh, it was a normal occurrence. Well, nobody had thought about that before, and I don't think it was normal at all. I had a, my attention was drawn to it, and that, my friends, is where uh, the greenhouse uh, gases are not really heating up the planet. It's the Earth's core that's causing this huge uh, temperature change, this friction, causing the uh, thinnest part of the core which is at the bottom of the oceans, to be exposed to this great heat. And the oceans are heating up, and this is causing the, the uh, 
weather pattern changes. It's causing the, the ice caps, which are melting at an alarmingly fast rate. And also we're looking at the now the earth wobbling and tilting back. And I've noticed in, in our weather pattern that when I was growing up, all the weather, snows, rainstorms, windstorms came from the northwest stories, Yukon, down from the, the northwest towards the southeast, underneath James uh, Hudson's Bay, James Bay, and out to the east coast. Now I've noticed that our weather seems to come from Texas and, and the Caribbean and going up to uh, to Quebec and or to the Maritimes. So we have a, a change from the weather coming instead of from the north, but from now from the south. And I'm, uh, I've been predicting this before. We're going to see more flooding in places like Kentucky. Never before where there has been uh, disasters of floods that's going to happen now in that area. There are, you know, this um, Yosemite, uh, Wyoming uh, uh, volcano. I've also said on your show, I saw a wall of lava coming across from the west towards the east and choking gas. Uh, coming across to uh, the people you know, who were in an airport not uh, too far away east of it. And there is an airport that is east of, of that small place. So that's yet uh, going to happen. And what we've noticed that with the heating up from the Earth's core, volcano activity is happening more and more on a regular basis. And we're looking for Mount Etna and Vesuvius to go off at the same time. And when that happens... That's kind of the countdown for more disasters to take place. Recently, I was aware that somebody has done uh, um, an internal, um, I don't know how he did it, but it was like an internal mapping of the uh, Earth's crust and, and the uh, tubes or channels. It looks like a, a fork uh, of the Earth's crust, and these forks are coming up in Europe and also in other parts of the world in uh, what we call, you know, the, the now the south southern hemisphere. So, however, he had this map, but he's been mapping, he's been pretty accurate. And this, this goes along with what I'm seeing as, you know, in countries that are in conflict, they seem to be also in, in natural disasters. So I'm looking forward now. We're going to see more of uh, difficulties with the weather, but we're also going to see uh, difficulties with uh uh, famines or disease going through the, the herds in the southwest, you know, beef and, and uh, cattle. So we're going to have some exposure to that, whether that's because poisoning gas or whether it's poisoning the environment, I'm not sure, but that's going to happen. We're also going to see these extremes, and uh, right now the flooding in the Midwest, uh, crops are failing. They failed for two years. The farmers are now at a point where, they had their money in the bank, so to speak. They're, they're green in silos, but the silos have now been uh, decimated and, and the, the grain has been lost. So we're going to see disastrous prices in corn and uh, wheat and uh, the bread products, which I have been predicting. I think I predicted on your show as well. That's all happening right now. So in this time, be prepared, have enough food or, or something in reserve that you could last six or eight months should there be some sort of storage uh, shortage, I should say. We just have a few moments yet. Let's talk about your quantum meditation course that you're teaching in Fort Worth, Texas. Uh, first of all, give us the dates, how people can register, and then we'll get into some more details. 
Okay, if people are interested and, and they, they, they should be serious, they have to be able to uh, be uh, able to see things in their mind's eye. I, I have a pre-requisite uh, test that I, I do for that, so they, they have to be able to demonstrate clairvoyance or remote feeling or my projection. It's uh, coming up May the 24th, and it goes to June the 1st. It's a nine-day intensive course. It, it encompasses all of the abilities. We talk one-on-one. Everybody has uh, sufficient time to ask me questions on any subject. And we explore all the different aspects of developing your remote viewing capability, your clairvoyant ability. Plus, we also do some energy work or spiritual healing to open up the chakras and also the pineal gland, which is the psychic center. That's something I do. I don't think anybody else does that. We have students who you can call up and ask them what the course was like and how they did. And they, these are incredible people. Um, and they speak from the heart. So we have been doing this for a few years, and this is, I'm not going to say I'm going to announce my retirement here, but I'm getting pretty close to 70, and so I will be um, doing more, you know, talking about buffalo chips in the good old days at lectures, <laughs> and I will be working for, for people like I have over the last 45 years. So I'm looking for people to replace me. All right, and um, this is happening in Fort Worth, Texas, May 24th to June June 1st, and again, how do people uh, register? Just go on my website, douglasjamescottrell.com, and there's information there all about the course and what's going to what's going to be done. And also, again, we can give uh, some former students uh, contact information they can call them up for and ask them questions. They they are not paid; they're doing this because they believe in in uh, what was given to them. So go to Douglas James Cottrell, C O T T R E L L. And my name's all over the Internet, so uh, even if you don't quite get it right, Douglas James something or other should pop up, Douglas James Cottrell. And, of course, you can go to your show, and I'm, I'm all over your website, I'm sure, right? Oh, all yes. Different times. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and we, we I, will, I will post the, uh, the details on the uh, website, or people can just click on your name on the front uh, page under the guest listing and uh, that'll take them right to your website so if if you're looking to sort of slowly ease out uh, I mean do you have you met do you think your successor do you think you've you, you have an idea who that person might be already based on these courses that you've taught well I'll give a shout out to uh, my friend Tom who has actually interviewed some of the students I cannot support, validate, or indicate, you know, anybody's um, uh, ability. But I can say they've taken the course, and it's Ramstein Regalin uh, on the YouTube channel. He's, he's uh, interviewed a few of the students. There is a namesake. Her, uh, her name is uh, Jessica Cottrell, who is in Detroit. Um, we have the same name. We must be related somewhere, but she has her own uh, spiritual center in Detroit, Michigan. So he has interviewed some of them. And that's one way to go. But uh, I've met people who have the capability to do so. So I'm looking at people who can survive and thrive on their own reputations. May 24th to June 1st, Fort Worth, Texas, a nine-day intensive course with Douglas James Cottrell. Just click on his name on the website, the Conspiracy Show website. First go to strangeplanet.ca, then find the radio page, and you'll see Douglas's name. Click on that. That takes you right to the website. Douglas, always a pleasure. Be well, my friend. Talk soon. God bless you. Happy Easter to you and your family, my friend. God bless. Bye-bye.
Well, that's it for us. We are done. My thanks to Owen Wolf and Ryan White. Back next week with paranormal investigator Joshua P. Warren and Pastor Mark Biltz on the identity of the Antichrist. In the meantime, don't be afraid. There's nothing concealed that won't be revealed and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What you hear in the dark, speak in the light. What I say in a whisper, proclaim from the rooftops. Move over, Aphrodite. I'm coming home. Good night.